A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Arsler in again from the resulting free kick and he slid into the net. Yeah, Emmerich Aubameyang with the easy job of making contact with the ball two yards out. Offside against Kuyate and Manchester United are rescued. By a flag on the far side. Sessegnon makes a match! On the volley, makes it 3-2! Morris is going to take in towards the near post. Aguero with the header and in. Oh, and oh. it is an instantaneous response. And it is going to be Alexander-Arnold! Oh my word! That's absolutely stunning from Trent Alexander-Arnold! Jorginho comes across, but Son has got some acceleration. And he moves away from the Luiz, who is sold a dummy. It's Son to finish it, what a goal! Wonderful! It's the Premier League preview show for week 14 of the 18-19 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up this weekend, it's derbies everywhere you look in the north of London. Tottenham's transformation into Arsenal 2006 continues when they take on Tottenham of 2006, now known as Arsenal. In West London, Claudio Ranieri looks to continue the bounce his Dilly Dong gave Fulham when he heads back to Chelsea just a short way from his West London pad. Two home games for him in a week. That's not a bad way to start, is it? Walking to both matches. And on Merseyside, Everton looked to end Liverpool's title hunt, which any loss would surely do with Manchester City already out on procession at the top of the table. That's just three of a whole bunch of stories to get into. Let's say hello to our panel, starting with TalkSport's football editor, David Walker. You okay, mate? Yeah, very good. How was your date last week? It was... um... It was about as enjoyable as a Manchester United home game. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll leave it at that, shall we? The less said, the better. I had high (laughs) hopes for that. I really did. Uh, With us on the show for the first time this season, uh, the former Arsenal, Middlesbrough and Wolves striker Jeremy Aliadier is upping the style stakes in the group. It's weird having someone so well-dressed in the team. It's odd. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good, yeah, you? You're such a fashion icon, aren't you? You're so well-dressed. It it concerns me. Even when you're cash, you look better than my smartware. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But listen, I didn't make any effort today I, I came on the train mate so it was just uh, throwing something on and, and he didn't even make time. any effort does that annoy you I'm quite annoyed by that I tried quite hard and yet if people looked at us together they'd think Instagram model and friend <laughs> he's, got, to... he's got better glasses than you I'll give him that <laughs> it's true but he can pull them off I haven't got anyway we've got to move on uh, also with us on the programme this week uh, the former Tottenham Reading and Colchester United midfielder Kevin Watson are uh, you well mate I'm very well uh, I'm doing good. Um, I mean, you look nice as well. I feel bad now. Thanks, Everyone mate. looks nice, just, you know, just got not no compared to Jeremy. Um, it's like, uh, you're only scum compared to Krusty. That's kind of what this is, right? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you are listening to this programme on a radio station, which many of you will be through our global broadcast partners, you can download an extended podcast, search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show 
on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, any good podcast provider. Right, as we've got a former Tottenham man and a former Arsenal man in the studio, it's not a coincidence, you know, I do the bookings and I try and think ahead. Uh, let's talk about North London Derby first, shall we? It is Arsenal against Tottenham. It's 2.05 UK time on Sunday. Arsenal unbeaten in their last 11 Premier League matches, eight wins in that time since losing against Chelsea back in August. For Tottenham, they've won seven of their eight Premier League away games so far this season. It's their best return on the road at this stage of a top-flight campaign since 1960 when they won their first eight en route to winning the second of their two top flight titles. Um, Loads to talk about here. Also got the Mike Dean variable we're going to need to bring up as well. He's going to be the referee for this game. Uh, But Jeremy, I wanted to come to you first on this because, of course, you were covering the Bournemouth game last week. You were at the home of the Fighting Cherries um, and you put in more effect than Meza Ozil, who sat on the bench and did nothing. Are we going to see Meza Ozil in this game? And what did you make of Unai Emery's comments? I know you spoke to him after the game that he seemed to say that Meza Ozil can't play in games of high intensity. Yeah, I can't really understand that. Um, you know, back in the day when I was playing, uh, the main guy were playing every game. You know, Champions League, Cup game, whatever game you know there is. There's no high intensity, no high intensity. You just you just play. You know, as long as you fit, you play. And uh, you know, the strange thing as well is he just come out of a of an international break, which he's obviously not involved anymore. So you know, I just felt felt a bit strange. Not the fact that he's on the bench, because obviously that's a that's a manager's decision, but the fact that he's not even coming on for, for 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, which um, yeah, which was a bit strange. And he didn't like my question at the end of the game when I asked him about it. Yeah, he was. Uh, he just didn't really want to answer. He was annoyed me. at how well dressed you were. It no, really frustrated I, I, him. No. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> do you think it's got something to do with the system? The change of system to three at the back, and he just couldn't find a place for Meza Ozil in that system. I don't think so because I actually think the opposite. I think by playing three at the back with two central, like defensive midfield player, we were lacking of, of having somebody like Mesut Ozil as a kind of number ten to to keep the ball and and make the relation between the defense and the attack. And which that that I feel after watching the game as well, I feel that's what Arsenal were lacking in that game. So I'm you know surprised. Yeah. And do you think he'll keep with that system for this game against Spurs? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. No, I think he'll go back to uh, to a normal kind of four at the back, and uh, but we'll we'll see because obviously he'll have to put Mesut Ozil back in the team because if he, if he doesn't start him against that game, then then he's got no more excuses there. That's such an interesting angle, Kev. I want to get onto Spurs in a minute, but if you're on the Spurs side of things, you're looking at the Arsenal team sheet and Mesut Ozil is not on it for this game this weekend. Are they? buoyed by that or, or is that a good thing for, from a Tottenham perspective um, I think Meza Ozil has undoubted talent he's always and Jeremy I don't know if you'd agree with me he's always played the game sort of in his own time um, under Arsene Wenger he had a manager who wasn't very vocal on the sidelines always played him etc um, you've only got to look at Unai Emery now and his demeanour on the side and how, I could hear him on the telly you know, get get close, get tight, whatever he was saying. They was high press. Does Meza Ozil fit into that? And you say you asked him the question afterwards. Um, three at the back would suit him because there's a place for him as a number 10, which is, is ideal for him. He still left him out, not brought him on. Um, would Tottenham be concerned that he's not playing? Uh, it depends how you look at it. I think the way Tottenham play... Um, it has been levelled at Ozil that he's a flat track bully in the past and he doesn't turn up for the big games 
we'll have to wait and see what Unai Emery does. Maybe there's a method in his madness and, and he will play. But there certainly is a place for him in that team if you play that system. Um, so for him to be left out is is quite strange. And the high intensity thing as well. Um, not sure about that because we were speaking outside and every game in the Premier League high intensity. doesn't matter who you play against. Mm, well, I watched Burnley Newcastle on Monday and I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I've got to ask you about up front as well because Alexandra Lacazette has got uh, about a 75% chance of playing, got a groin injury he's been struggling with and the mystery of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang continues. He scores every week. He, he's prolific in front of goal. And yet the performances, and maybe this is just me, and tell me if I'm wrong, anyone, I don't feel like he does anything else in the game. They move him left wing, but he doesn't really beat his man, his passing isn't great, but then he's always, and he scored two, and he scored. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I feel the same. I don't feel, like, if you look at purely his performance, I agree. I don't think he's, he's played well. Well, last game, definitely, no. I don't. I can't even remember him touching you know, 10 balls in the game. Mm. So, But at the end, he scores the winning goal, and that's, that's what you want from your for your main striker really so as long as he keeps scoring I think he won't get too much criticism but is he going to be able to keep that for the whole season the season's so long we've got so many games coming up and he's, you know, I'm not sure he will be able to carry on scoring um, One final question on Arsenal before we move on to Tottenham is about defence um, now Laurent Koscielny made his comeback this week for under 23s I think yeah. in a friendly uh, probably not going to play in this game but defensively you mentioned the move to three. They've played at two. If they go two, is it holding Mustafi? And, and what about the... There was a great bit. I don't know if you noticed this. I mean, you were at the game, obviously. But before the game started against Bournemouth, Saeed Kalasinat seemed to come over to Unai Emery and go, is it four or is it three? What, what, <laughs> what are we playing? On the pitch. Like, I, I mean, maybe it was something else. But that looked like to me what he was doing. Am I wing back or left back? I'm not sure. Well, I, I thought it was so weird. I, 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 listen... I hope that was just a coincidence and, and a mistake because if he doesn't know where he's playing just before kickoff, then there's something wrong, mate. But um, going back to the, the three at the back, I, I felt when Socrates were obviously injured, it was kind of no no choice to make. You had to play Holding and, and Mustafi at the back. Holding done so well, I felt, like playing at the back. So now he feels that he can't really just put him out and put Socrates straight back in. So I think that's why he kind of choose to go three at the back, which now he's going to have obviously a, a decision to make because you're playing against Spurs and, and, and you've got you've got to have your best 11 out. You can't just, you know, play somebody because he's played well for five games and then another one comes back from injury. And so uh, I'm excited and, and can't wait to see what he's going to do really because... Mm. I'm not sure three at the back kind of works so good for Arsenal. So, you know, I'm excited to see what, what he's going to do. I, I think Arsenal got away with one against Bournemouth. I really do. Mm. For 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Well, that David Brooks goal should have counted yeah. as well, shouldn't they? They, yeah. they hardly got a kick. Obama Young was isolated. Ball kept coming up, going back. He hardly got a touch. Um, they kept getting in down the sides, especially behind Bellerin, who's more of an attacking player than a defensive player. So there was always that channel down down that side. Um, and with a bit of luck going Bournemouth's way, they could have been 2-3 up before Arsenal even got a foothold. And it's it, it's nothing against Bournemouth because they're having a terrific season. But if you're playing one of the, the big boys and you start like that, you're going to be out of the game within, mm. within 10, 15 minutes. Because and, the, and they, they have started poorly pretty much in every game this season. They've, they've not been ahead at half-time all season. They've started yeah. slowly. And that's OK doing it against Bournemouth, as, as good as Bournemouth are. 
did it against Spurs. Mm. Look at look at how well they started last week against Chelsea. I mean, the second halves have been they're, yeah. they're chalk and cheese, haven't they? Mm. They're absolutely wonderful in the second halves and scoring loads of goals. But against the big boys, you could be. It don't matter how well you play in the second half. You could be two or three out out the game. Um, we are recording this show before Tottenham's Champions League game on the Wednesday and also the trip to what is going to be Kiev in Ukraine for Arsenal on the Thursday as well. So we're just going to assume uh, everyone's got through that game fit and we can look back on the last game that we've seen for Tottenham, which is Chelsea, you just mentioned it. Uh, and they absolutely slaughtered them. They slaughtered them that opening 20 minutes or so. Uh, and it's the first time this season, uh, Kev, that we've seen Ericsson, Kane... Ali and Son start a Premier League game together. And the fact they started so well and were so impressive creatively and the way they pressed, it's not a coincidence, that is it? No, it's not. And um, we just finished uh, our game on Saturday, actually, and we we stayed 20, 25 minutes after the game and we watched it in the bar. And it, you couldn't take your eyes off it. The, was it a bit the, blurry by the end? No, no, no. <laughs> that in- was just a pace. <laughs> the intensity they played at, they blew Chelsea away. Chelsea hardly had a kick and the pace going forward and the goals... It was literally a joy to watch, and this is what we're, we're talking about. If if they start like that on Sunday and Arsenal start slowly, it could be all over in, in 20 minutes. It really could. I wouldn't expect Arsenal to come out and start that slowly against Tottenham. Human nature, London derby, you'd think that it would all be different, but Tottenham were, were magnificent. Blew Chelsea away. And do you see that being a similar way of playing for this game as well? Get on the front foot, get after Arsenal immediately, try and score early? Because, of course, it was at Wembley Stadium a few days ago. We're not at Tottenham's second home now. We're at a place they often don't like to play. Yeah, um, I've not seen Tottenham start a game like that for a long, long while. It was it was 100 miles an hour, but in the 100 miles an hour, there was a lot of quality, a real lot of quality. And those main players, they all turned up on the same day. As good as I've seen Dele Alli for a long while, uh, Son, unbelievable goal. Kane was his usual. Um, Ericsson, they were very good. Yeah. And if they if they don't get buoyed by as good as they've been, that's been the icing on the cake so far. So they'll be buoyed, really buoyed going into this game Sunday. Yeah, interesting looking defensively at well as, uh, as well at both these teams. You're going to have one fourth playing for for Tottenham, who's not in the Champions League squad, so he's a nice week off. We talked about the Arsenal defence anyway. There's goals. There is goals in this game. I've got absolutely no doubt which way it goes. We will find out uh, at the weekend. Got to move on to another derby up next. Uh, Liverpool up against Everton. Uh, Everton up to sixth, doing so well. Let's get to it. The counter was on. Here's Robertson. Oh, lovely stiff away by Robertson down the left-hand side. Charging towards the edge of the penalty area. Looks for support. Firmino arrives. Mane! Good save. Foster. Follow up by Firmino and in. Bernard around the corner. It goes. Walcott's in behind. He's into the box. Walcott versus Everton. Low great save. Sigerson turns and rebounded off of Etheridge. It's 1-0 to Everton. Right, let's talk Merseyside derby now. Liverpool against Everton, 4.15 UK time on Sunday. Uh, Liverpool unbeaten in their opening 13 matches of a Premier League season for the first time since 2007. Uh, Everton have lost just one of their past 10 home league Premier League games. Of course, they're away. And maybe that's the issue. It's the away form which has seen Everton not be in the top four, not seem like contenders because they're winning games week in, week out. They're grinding past teams. They're keeping clean sheets. They've got players like Andre Gomez, who's impressing all of us. Um, how far away, Kev Watson, do you think Everton are from Liverpool? And how far away are Everton from being above Man U, being above Arsenal, being above maybe Tottenham in, in a top four race come the end of this season? I don't think they're quite at that level. Um, I think they're a lot more entertaining now 
than they have been in the past. I think Sigurdsson stepping up to the plate. Um, he's having a good season. Are they close to Liverpool? I wouldn't say so yet. I still think there's that gulf between the, the sort of top four and five and the also-rans. Are they close to Manchester United? Most certainly. Most certainly. I, I, I cannot watch them for love nor money at the minute, <laughs> Manchester United. Um, you watch Mourinho, though. He throws worth, stuff around. He's, That's he's quite a good watching, fan, isn't it? And his antics, he's worth <laughs> yeah. watching. Yeah, but his team's not, unfortunately. Um, it's like when you watch a soap opera and behind them there's like a really ugly extra you can't take your eyes off. That's what it's like when you watch Man U. That's quite fun. <laughs> Look at so, that fat bloke. He's going to do something in a minute. Look at him. <laughs> so going, going back to this game, it's at Anfield. Um, good at home, Everton. Not so good away. They have been grinding results out. But again, Liverpool on their day at home are uh, a ma- more than a match for anyone. Well, talking about grinding it out, last week, Dave, against Watford, Liverpool had to grind it out. It was a fairly even game until mm. that 65th minute or so, and, and Watford probably should have had a penalty as well for that for that challenge by Robertson. Did they impress you? Um, yeah, because that's what Liverpool are doing this season. They're not flaky like they were in the last sort of two or three years. They're They're probably not as exciting to watch as they were last year but they're just getting business done. Mm. They're winning games. They're, they're, they're being able to weather storms when they are coming under pressure because that back five, the goalkeeper, the defence, so impressive, Just not just defensively, but also the full-backs have been excellent going forward as they were against Watford last week. Um, and you asked the question to Kev about how far Everton away from Liverpool. Mm. They're, they're as, as, as good as Everton have been in recent weeks. They're still miles away from Liverpool. Because of how good Liverpool are as yeah. opposed to Everton. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And do you see that the same sort of thing that Everton, despite their improvements, are nowhere near Liverpool? No, nah, for me, they're, they're nowhere near. Yeah, I just feel they they slowly changed the the system, the style of play since the new managers arrived, and then it'll take time. But they still need to bring mm. you know a few really talented, quality players to really push on. I mean, maybe it's an unfair question. It is an unfair question. I mean, let's talk about some of the improvements that, that Everton have made. If they had a top quality striker, and this is something I'm going to say with Crystal Palace later. If they had a top quality striker, I think they've got a lot going on there, Everton. Defensively sound, one of the best keepers in the league. And and we say it every week, and I want to get your take on, on Andre Gomez. What do you make of him as a player? I think he's brilliant, yeah. I think he's obviously, you know, great player. But it's not just about having one, you know, just one player. You've got to have a team and and, and then the team working together and which obviously you can see lately that they're doing so you've like you said they've got very strong defense don't concede many goals and then going forward they're getting exciting and 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 enjoying to watch so um you know when you've got obviously a top striker that you know gonna score Mm. 20 25 goal a season obviously that's a massive massive help you know you've got you've got to have someone like that if you want to look at you know top four top five uh, Liverpool have got the PSG game on the Wednesday. Um, I thought it was interesting against Watford that they almost seem to be changing the way they're setting up a little bit with Firmino dropping deeper in order to accommodate Zerdan Shakiri. How important is he now to Liverpool? Well, he's obviously. I think. <laughs> I think when they bought him, they, they had this in mind. They knew he was not going to be the, the the main starting eleven player, but slowly he was just going to improve and improve, get used to a new team, a new level as well. Because coming from, you know, from from Stoke, you obviously, you know, it's a different dimension. You play in a top four team in in the Premier League. It's not it's, it's not you the main man. Where when you play us, you know, in a smaller club, I will say you're the main man. Is kind of not easy, but you know, you know, you're going to play every week. You, now he's got to really work hard every day to mm. to get as many minutes as possible. 
and and slowly you can see that I feel he's improved so much since last you know last season the World Cup that he had as well. So um, I think he's becoming you know an important player now for Liverpool. I think he's done great. Um, I think Liverpool bought him as cover uh, at best, a bargain from Stoke. Mm. He's now played his way into the team and has been outstanding. And I think that that's, that suits Firmino, who can drop off and play deeper because I think that's the player he is. Mm. He's not an out-and-out out number nine. He likes to play just off the front. And let's get it right, Liverpool have an embarrassment of riches going forward. Mane, Salah, Shaqiri, Firmino. Um, terrific side, terrific side. I think they're going to come up short again just because Manchester City are outstanding. I, I can't see, as you said... The procession has already started. Um, it is a little bit too early to be talking about that, but they are an outstanding unit. I mean, there's always pressure in any Premier League game, especially a derby at home to, to your local rivals, Everton. But when you're looking across to Man City playing at home to Bournemouth, mm. like you just said, they, they just have to keep pace. They've got to try and keep pace, be within three points of them, so that when they get that head-to-head match, later in the season I know they had nil-nil earlier in the season at Anfield but when they go to City later in the season that's the opportunity to try and take them on Let's talk about Man City they have got Bournemouth this weekend it's a 3 o'clock UK time kickoff on the Saturday so I watched the West Ham game on Saturday and they were 2-0 up in like 20 minutes and I looked at how many shots both teams had had at that point it was Man City 2 it was West Ham 5 uh, they went to Lyon in midweek and Pep Guardiola said, what's the difference? Or they asked him, what's the difference between the Premier League and the Champions League? He said, quality of player. Lyon had a couple of chances and scored. West Ham had several chances, didn't score. I'm not saying Man, weren't, uh, Man City weren't amazing. They were amazing, played some great football. David Silva was phenomenal in that game. And, you know, they basically dropped down to half gear. If they were second gear, first half and amazing, the second half... They couldn't care less about what West Ham were doing. And that fourth goal was offside, by the way. Shouldn't have counted, but I'm <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, but, I mean, are there some weaknesses in, in this Man City team defensively? Because they are letting teams get chances. The last two games, two conceded against Leon and West Ham, if they'd have had someone who wasn't Mikel Antonio, they would have scored. <clears throat> I, I'm not saying they neglect their defensive duties, but I think they have so much of the ball that <laughs> when teams break on them, they can get caught because they have so much of the ball dictating the play, but they can be got at. You know, it's been proved in the past. And the Champions League is another step up from the Premier League. It happens in all walks of football. The higher you go, the more chances are converted. And the Champions League is obviously the pinnacle of that. Mm. So West Ham, with a, I'm not saying they haven't got good uh, good centre-forwards, but if they had a proper world-class, yeah. then they probably would have been in the game. That's that's how football works. In the last six Premier League matches between Man City and Bournemouth, Man City have scored 21 and Bournemouth have scored two. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's going to take some <laughs> remarkable turnaround from Bournemouth. But, you know, Bournemouth have had a good season. They've, they've you know, troubled Arsenal last week. And as Kev said earlier, on another day, that game could have gone the other way to, to Bournemouth. It's going to be incredibly difficult for them to get anything. But you never know. Like you say, you, they've got players who can catch you on the break. They've got pace. Mm. If yeah. they get the ball high up, I think the, the, the problem you have when you play Manchester City, and Bournemouth do have pace up front, and they are a footballing team. So you go toe-to-toe with them, Manchester City are better. Mm. You sit off and let them dictate the game. They'll bore you to death until they eventually carve you open anyway. So what way do you go about it? Uh, I, I, listen, I think the way they play football 
these days, man, City is just incredible. And it doesn't matter if they do late chances, they've got so much possession that the opening, even in second half, just get so tired chasing the ball. At some point, they're, they're you know, you can't just defend, 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 and, and then just hope to score one or two goals in counter-attack because, and enough, Man City are just just too strong. So, you know, it'll be a, be a tough game for Bournemouth. Yeah, West Ham tried to go toe-to-toe and got beaten quite heavily. I think Bournemouth do the same thing. But the thing is with Bournemouth is that they've lost three in a row now. And one of them was Newcastle away, which, you know, no one really saw coming. They've had tough games, uh, absolutely, but not getting anything from it. I think that... That when you start lose four in a row, and maybe the, the guys who are play can tell me this, when you've lost four in a row, it doesn't matter who it's against, will the doubt start creeping in? Is this the kind of run that could ruin a season for Bournemouth? I think so. Yeah, I think so, because they've started so well this season, but now four games, mm. plus when you look at who they've got, Man City, and and they've got some tough game after Man City as well. I think mm. they're playing Man U, Liverpool, yeah. all them yeah. boys they, in, in December. Huddersfield on Tuesday. We've got midweek games next week, but then they've got Liverpool next Saturday. So, yeah. So and, and yeah, and Manchester United and Huddersfield are winning games all of a sudden. So that's not an easy game as easy as it would have been a few weeks ago. I mean, you've got to stop the rot somewhere, haven't you? Like you said, why not the Etihad? Well, listen, I would not bet on it, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, you, you've lost four games on the row. You go into the Etihad Stadium. Uh, listen, it's tough enough when you four games, you know, that you've just lost to to you know pick yourself up and 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 then just not get too down about it but when you've got man city and you know the games you've got after that as well is uh, you know it could be a really tough run for them but you just know bournemouth won't go 6-4-0 and hope for the best so going to be a great game no doubt about it three o'clock saturday uk time let's move on next to chelsea up against fulham the old claudio ranieri derby the game taking place but half mile from his house quite nice actually isn't it if you can walk there, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you won't get stuck in traffic like Manny Williams. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks, 
Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Towards Sassignon, who controls, spins, and now attacks Cedric. One on one with the defender. Cedric getting some help. Sassignon's low cross. Schurler from six yards out taps the ball in at the far post to make it 2 1. Here's a cross into the box. Giroud with the header and in. Well, he was right about it being his backyard. He has scored again against Tottenham. He has scored again at Wembley. But all is still not rosy in the Chelsea garden. Right, let's move on to Chelsea up against Fulham. It's 12 o'clock UK time on Sunday, December the 2nd. Chelsea suffered their first league defeat of the season uh, last weekend, losing up against Tottenham, and it was 3-1, sorry, but it could have been 7-8-9. Tottenham was so much better uh, than the Blues. Fulham, they picked up their first Premier League win in 10, uh, losing seven of the previous nine. Of course, Claudio Ranieri returning to the bridge as well. Uh, Kev, let's talk a little bit about the Tottenham game last week. Uh, David Luiz, he's been at fault for 64% of the goals Chelsea have conceded this season. Fair enough, not many, but it's a very high percentage. That winning goal, the third goal from Hung Min Son, it showed up that Jorginho is not a natural defensive midfielder when it comes to running the right way, shepherding that run. He tried to keep pace with Hung Min Son, which you're never going to do. And then David Luiz, someone said that it looked like he was on FIFA and someone had the joystick pointing one way and they forgot to put it back the other way and he kept on running off. I think he went down the shops for another 20 minutes and kept going. <laughs> I mean, how, bur- how bad were-, were Chelsea and are we overreacting to that game? We'll have to see on Sunday. I don't think we're overreacting to that particular 90 minutes because they were poor. Um, Jorginho wasn't very effective because Tottenham trampled all over him, if you like, and he wants to get on the ball and play. I think... Because of the because of him playing and being Sari's man, Kante's now playing out of position. He's not really happy right of a midfield free, if you like. He wants to be in that central area, breaking up play, which is probably where he should have been against Tottenham. I mean, who am I to tell Sari? But you look at it and think they just got overrun. Jorginho got overrun. The last goal was frighteningly bad. Um, David Luiz he outpaces Jorginho. David Luiz comes across knowing full well. He's the last man and just dangles a leg. Mm. It's not even, it's half-hearted at best. I've always thought that he's not the best defender anyway. Is he going to get in their midfield? No. So where do you play him? He's got to play centre-half at the minute because he's, he won't get in the team. And for me, that's a liability. Two, two, three weeks ago, if you'd have asked me who was going to win this game on Sunday, I would have said it was, wouldn't even be close. Chelsea will steamroll at them. Now you've got the Ranieri honeymoon period bounce. Mm. They're coming in after a win. And how Chelsea going to react after that poor result Sunday? So it's I think it'll be a closer game now than what many people think. What I was really surprised about after the match was listening to Maurizio Sarri. And he kind of just said, well, I told you so. This, <laughs> we've, we've been having problems for a while. The, the players haven't been working the, as hard as I want them to. And you sort of think, well, I mean, if you knew that, like, you'd... Couldn't you have done something about it? If you've seen this coming and you're just sort of holding your hands up and saying, yeah, well, you know, it's been coming. And I think it's strange. And he seems very, very committed to the system. Everyone on any radio programme, TV programme, newspaper in the last week has been saying, Kante is playing out of position. You've got to move him back to be in front of the back four. But you just don't feel that Sarri's going to do that, do you? 
No, you don't feel like he's going to do that. But like we say, because he's brought Jordan, Jorginho and that's his player. So he kind of want to favorite him to play in his position before Conte. But listen, I'm not being funny. Encolo Conte, you just play him in the best position. No, he, he, can, he can do the job on his own in the midfield. Like, you know, and, and I'm sure if, if that was him, he would have not got past like, like Jorginho did against Son. You know, mm. he would have got that ball or, or even make a foul. You yeah. know, make a foul, just push him, get yellow card, whatever, and 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 just that was just terrible. Yeah, terrible defending from from both of them. But I guess Jorginho probably thought that uh, defenders got it covered. This is it's quite wide, <laughs> but then David Luiz just like that's just incredible. I've never seen any defender doing doing this except him. <laughs> except him, yeah. But he's yeah, he's he's obviously on a. On something at the moment, I don't know what he's doing, but he's, uh, yeah, it's not not performing well at all. Jorginho, to me, is one of those classic modern stats players. I remember coming out of the West Ham nil-nil, and it was like, oh, he had 185 passes in that game, and it was, I thought not one of them was forward. Like I could do that job. You couldn't. I could pass it left, <laughs> pass it right, pass it left, pass it right. Give it to someone else, and be like, oh, well, I'm amazing. He don't do anything. He don't carry him forward. He can't tackle. And he gets frustrated because he can't tackle. Should have been sent off for the foul against Ross Barkley. Uh, could have been sent off, I thought, for several yellows against Tottenham. He's a myth. I'm not having him. I'm not having it. Tell you what, sorry, go back to the bank, put me in charge. Well, Pep Guardiola wanted to buy him, didn't he? Well, he didn't buy him, did he? If he wanted to buy him, he'd have had him, wouldn't he? Uh, let's talk about Fulham. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Someone told me he was one of the best strikers in the Premier League this week. Uh, the winning goal against Southampton w- was fantastic. A brilliant finish. Volleyed goal. What do you make of Mitrovic and his immediate rejuvenation under Claudio Ranieri? Well, he's, he's yeah, fantastic striker. And, and when your team is not performing and at the bottom of the league and you're still scoring goals... Then that's when you see he's a, he's a top striker. I would love to see him in a you know in a top top club and see how many goals he could score a season mm. because you know he, he doesn't need many chances to to put it away. So uh, and that that's how you judge a, a top striker. So. Same amount of goals in the Premier League as Harry Kane this season, Alexander Mitrovic. I mean that is a heck that's, of a record, isn't it? Well, yeah. When you see where both teams are and, and how many chances both team you know gets a game. So um, yeah, obviously them stats are you know they talk for themselves. So now he's a, he's a top striker. Let's see now that Ranieri came, you know if if the team's going to start playing well and he, and he might get more chances, more goals. You know like last week, we saw an improved performance from Ryan Sessegnon as well. Yeah, last week, which was interesting. And hearing him talk after the match, he said. And I thought he was slightly, I don't know whether he's a young lad, he's just sort of saying off the top of his head after a game, but he went, oh, Ranieri's a lot more tactical than the old guy. Even <laughs> 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 address okay. Savisa by name. Um, but, you know, he got two assists in that game. and it seemed... Everyone's an old guy to him, though, aren't they, to be fair? <laughs> yeah. But it seemed like it seemed like there was a definite shift immediately from, from Ranieri and from Fulham in that match. They were hitting Mitrovic a lot, they were going more direct, they were getting crosses in, and it paid off. Uh, yeah, what do you make to him, Kev? Do you think they'll need to be a lot more defensive this weekend? Because it was uh, it was an open game, let's put it that way, against Southampton. Yeah, it was an open game. I'm not sure how how he'll approach the uh, the Chelsea game. But I think one thing you know is he he will be back to basics, Ranieri. And as you say, get it forward, hit Mitrovic, get it wide, get crosses in, a la Leicester-like, mm. um, who he won the Premier League with. Um, Mitrovic has seemed to have found a home. Most players, they'll go somewhere, I'm not sure, in and out, i.e. Newcastle, Fulham, all of a sudden, he's the main man, talisman, focal point. 
I think he could be the difference between them staying in the league and and, and being relegated. I think he's done that well this season. You've got the same amount of goals as a guy that's sitting in the top three mm. at one of the best clubs in the country. You must be doing something right. And they'll be desperate to hold on to him come January. A couple of teams that might be desperate for a goal scorer come January. Southampton and Manchester United. They meet on Saturday, 5.30 UK time. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down in Jose Mourinho. So let's start with, with, with Southampton. Mark Hughes has won three of 21 Premier League games now. 14.3%. Uh, we've said this a lot. It continues to be the worst win rate of any Southampton manager in the history of the Premier League, because, of course, that's when football began. Um, Mark Hughes' team, they went on the front foot against Fulham last week. That is not what a Mark Hughes team tends to do. They probably should have got something from the game against Fulham as well, but didn't. So he's tried ultra-defensive. He's tried ultra-offensive. What does he do this weekend to stop this run of, of poor results? And if he loses against Man U... You know, he says that it's the press that make up the narrative. It's the facts that make up the narrative. Lost in the midweek uh, game in the Carabao Cup as well. Or oh, was it VAR's fault? No, it wasn't, Mark. Um, where does he go from here? Can he continue from here as Southampton manager? I personally don't think so. No, I just think he's, you know, it's, it's just going to end up very, very soon for him at Southampton. When he gets on that kind of run, we've seen it previously with, with the old club that he's been in charge. It's like as soon as... He comes to a club, things are all right. And then as soon as he just start losing games, losing games, it's like players kind of turn against him and just don't like his method and don't like the way they play. And, and then it's just everybody gets down about it and then they just carry on losing and, and no performing. So I personally think that, yeah, they'll probably, you know, lose against uh, against Manu and then, and then that'll be tough for him. Well, they've actually created more chances than Manchester United this season. Yeah, right. Which is a, <laughs> which, a, a yeah. damning statistic for Manchester United, really. <laughs> and also, they're the two since Jose Mourinho took over Manchester United, uh, the only team that's had more nil-nil draws than Man United are Southampton. <laughs> so that they're they're both at the bottom of that particular table. So I, I mean, it doesn't uh, at the current current sort of form doesn't promise to be an amazing game. Um, <laughs> but I I think the writing's on the wall for Mark Hughes. I agree with Jeremy. But I think the thing that will the sort of turning point will be when they appoint a replacement for Les Reed, a, a director of football or whatever they're going to call it, that person's going to want to work with a manager who's going to want to work with him. Mm. And I don't think Mark Hughes is going to want to work with anyone who comes in. So I think before January, I, I think he'll be gone. Whether you're good, bad or indifferent in a game, if you're playing at home, you've got to have a go. And I think it was a Chelsea game three, four weeks ago. Yeah, They started the game, kicked off and they went bang, sat back, you had Gabby Adini, who's a centre-forward playing out on the right-hand side. The two centre, or the centre-forward was inside his own half behind the centre circle. Mm. So they were just saying, come and do what you want. And Chelsea did do what they want. And they were very good that day and absolutely bashed them. Um, they've got players there. And especially at home, you've got to come out and at least have a go. I mean, it was levelled at Newcastle for a while and they've seemed to have changed their tack now. Mm. Come out and have a go and the crowd will get behind you. If you just sit there waiting to be beat and you do get beat, then that's when they turn. Most crowds in this, this country, any country, all they want to see is effort running around having a go. And that day, they just sat there and waited to be beat. And they are taking on a Manchester United team who are vulnerable at the moment. You know, they drew nil-nil with Crystal Palace. They were last on match of the day last week and nobody <laughs> batted an eyelid. It was like it was a normal thing. And they, in Champions League in the week, they laboured to a, a last-minute victory against young boys. You know, they are in 
they're seventh in the league, but they're playing terribly. So in that respect, it's it's, a, it's probably a good time, as good a time as any, to play Manchester United from Southampton's point of view. What did you make to that Mourinho throwing the bottles down at the end of the of the young boys game when he, when he, they scored that goal? It was odd, wasn't it? it odd was, behaviour. It was it was great for the gift makers on Twitter. <laughs> 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 That's all he does it for. He loves a gif. I mean, it was it was odd, wasn't it? Like, I mean, he's already been warned a few times this season for stop acting this way. It's almost a little bit like but he doesn't feel like the rules I think, apply. Well, I, I think the, the bigger thing to focus on, and maybe this is why he's done it, it's a, it's a distraction maybe from some of the other things that are going on. But, you know, 20 minutes earlier, Marcus Rashford missed a reasonably good chance. What does he do? He turns around to the crowd and the bench and shakes his head as if to, you know, he's, he's not only digging out players in, in post-match and pre-match interviews, he's doing it during the game. What would you feel like just, if, if, that oh. was, if that was Arsene Wenger when you missed a chance or something? Listen, you would have never done that, but I just, I just feel... He's just try any excuse, anything to just kind of show people that oh, it's not me, it's, it's my players. Look, he's missing these chances. How can he miss that? And and it's like he's he's doing everything right. It's never his fault. Every every comment I keep hearing or interviews or he always blames somebody else and find excuses. And I just I can't deal with it anymore. Seriously, I'm just like. I'm I'm tired of see, I've seen the same thing with him this season. And that will affect time, players, yeah. right? In a dressing room, that will sure talk about will. that. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, when all them them argument with Pogba or whatever happened, when them things starts, that don't that don't start just like this because the press want to start, you know, something to talk about. There's obviously been issues and and problems and. And when them things like that start, it affects not just Pogba, it affects everybody at the club. You know, they're all friends. We all, all players in the dressing room talk and they all, you know, watch the TV, the interviews. And, and it's just not, not a good atmosphere to work. You know? As brilliant as he's been in his managerial career, mm. he's always had a shelf life. Always. Two, three years. Goes in, gets an immediate response, always ends badly. He's not even got a response mm. from Manchester United. Soon as you start hammering players in public, they will turn against you. I don't think, or I don't know, how he thinks that is going to turn into a positive. With Luke Shaw, it has some reason, but you've got to know your characters. But then he done it again. You've got to know your characters. Paul Pogba is not going to have that. He's down tools on him, mm. as have others. It's it's going to end badly for him again. And now it's like all about me. You know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. He won't. He won't even see his two or three years out of this club. No, nah, I don't think he will. And, and you know, to go back to Pogba, when when you pull Pogba, you've just won the World Cup. Mourinho start having a go for whatever reason. He, you know, he might be right. He, you know, Mourinho might have a point about you know all his social media. You know, I kind of disagree with this. You know, with the old social media, every time you've got you know all them players that do this, it, it would it would annoy me if I was playing with with them guys as well. But he knows he can go to any other club. He knows he can go to Barcelona, mm. Juventus, whatever. So do you really think like Paul Pogba just, you know, care kind but, of like... But as a manager, if that's me and I found out, oh, he was on Instagram before even the end of the game and he wasn't there doing videos or whatever, you don't do that in public. You know there's cameras at the training ground. You don't make a snide remark knowing full well that something's going to blow up about it. Mm. Paul, can I have a word? Uh, after training, please, mate. You do it behind closed doors. Look, that's a bit out of order. I'm not sure you should have done that. If you do it, be careful. Yeah. You, you know, you should have stayed at the game, etc. He'd respect you more than having a snidey remark as his manager 
when the cameras are there at the training ground yeah. as, as you walk yeah. past them. It's Never not, understood it's not that. On. It was all very odd. And now we've got this week we had uh, Alexis Sanchez wasn't even at the game in midweek. Pogba didn't start or it, yeah, he, he came start. off uh, last weekend as well against Crystal Palace, about 68 minutes or so. Uh, Lindelof is injured. Baez now nowhere to be seen. They either buy a totally new team or get a totally new manager moving forward. But this is going to be a attritional game, I think it's fair to say. One final word on this. Uh, I really want to... This is going to sound really bad. I know the players aren't going to like this. But I really want David De Gea to get injured just for like a couple of months to see how bad Man U actually are. Because every single game, he makes at least one world-class save that no one else could make. They'd have lost against young boys in midweek if it wasn't for David Day. And every week, and it's sort of like, well, they're still in the top six, still in the top eight, still getting a few points. If he was missing for two or three months, disaster. They might get relegated. <laughs> and for a child of the 90s, that could be great fun. <laughs> right, we've got to move on. Let's talk about Newcastle. They ain't going down there, are they? Can't stop winning. West Ham up next for them. Well, it's gone short this time. It's flicked towards goal. And it's flicked into the goal. And it's 2-0 to Newcastle. And it's Kieran Clark. Well, that's why they take the short corner. Because Burnley can't deal with it. It was looped towards the near post. No one's gone with Clark. He's flicked the header in. There's no one on the back post. Right, let's talk Newcastle. They take on West Ham this weekend. Three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Newcastle, three wins in a row. Incredible. Uh, one at Burnley on Monday Night Football as well. West Ham United. Manuel Pellegrini, I would agree with him, said they played well against City, created chances, but it's Man City. What can be done? Um, Jeremy, how have Newcastle turned it around from being the team that couldn't win, the team that couldn't score, the team that... The crowd was turning on everybody except the manager, and now they've won three in a row. How does that happen? Confidence. Uh, I think the manager's obviously got a great part to play in that. You know, he's he's been there for a few years now. It's been hard for him with the relation with his chairman, and uh, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad for him that he finally you know clicked and and won three games on the road because I think he you know he deserves some respect and and you know with with the hard job that he does with not much money to to buy you know new players and and really talented players you know i I must say i didn't expect them to to win them last three games the way they've started the season i just thought well that's going to be another newcastle you know disaster and and end up in the in the bottom three but Mm. i'm i'm quite optimistic now for them they did this last season didn't they I mean, they've done it a bit earlier this season, but I remember last season they had a pretty poor first half of the season and they just went on this really impressive winning run towards the end of the season and they ended up finishing comfortably mid-table. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's it's that faith in Rafa. They had a really difficult start to the season this year because they played a lot of the top teams and everyone's sort of going, oh God, Newcastle, they, what's happened? They've got even worse than last season. They've only got one point. They haven't scored a goal. But it's Rafa's like, don't worry, we'll get there. We'll, we'll play some teams that we can beat. And now they are and they're doing it. Premier League's a tough environment and they did have some tough games. Um, I think it just goes to show the difference between a Benitez character and a Mourinho. Can you see Manchester United winning three on the trot? No. No. Can, uh, Newcastle have, which shows even though they had a tough time, the players were clearly still behind him yeah. and still playing for him. And actually playing quite well now as well. And he, he's still a tactical genius as well. Like He's gone three at the back in, in the last game. He can change formation in-game, which he did a couple of times against Burnley in 10 minutes when Burnley had plenty of the ball uh, up until that first goal. And it was just really impressive, really impressive. And do you know what? It's similar to West Ham in a lot of ways when it comes to tough games. I'm looking at West Ham's fixtures for this season. At home, they've already had games against Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham twice, winning the Cup, Man City away from home. They've already been to Liverpool. 
they're on 12 points. That's only four off bottom. You look at that and there's a lot of concerns about that. But I don't, don't see this West Ham team struggling. I see a lot of positives about this West Ham team. I think they'll get forward against Newcastle in this game. And I see them getting something from it. I don't think it's panic stations at West Ham going into December being lower mid-table as it maybe might have been last year. Am I wrong to be optimistic? It's not like me. <laughs> no, I don't think you're wrong to be optimistic. I think, you know, they've got a great manager as well. You know, since he's arrived, everybody expected West Ham to be straight, uh, you know, doing great. But it takes a bit of time for, for new manager to come in as well and, and to to detect the, the style of play, the new regime training and, and, and all all that stuff. And, and I think now you, you start seeing, you know, West Ham playing better performing well they've got good players as well and um, and and slowly I'm not I'm not worrying for West Ham I think slowly they'll they'll pick up points and and and, and just be fine yeah a winnable games coming up uh, this one then Cardiff at home Palace at home Fulham Watford they basically played the top half and not the bottom half so far so uh, hopefully they'll do all right listen one final question on West Ham do want to move on but got to ask you about Jack Wilshere uh, was meant to be in the squad last week, but but didn't make it. He was meant to be back four weeks ago, but it got delayed after this surgery. He said he's missed three months already. Is it going to happen for him at West Ham? And, and eventually, he's got to start playing some games, and it? it's been three months. Oh, problem we've got with Jack Wilshere is his legs. It's, yeah, it's unfortunately it was the same with Arsenal. Everybody at Arsenal wanted him to stay, give him a new contract. But at the end, you know, you, you look at how many games you play a season, and, and unfortunately, he's, he's a great talent, but he just can't keep fit. And every time he gets an injury, it's not a, just a, a simple injury where it's four weeks and you're back in four weeks. It's always four weeks and then another four weeks and another four weeks, and then you end up missing three four or five months and then you just kind of catch up after you know getting back from them tough injuries it's, it's, it's just very difficult for a player to, to get back 100% and fit I can hear groans from West Ham fans all around the world so let's move on to Huddersfield against Brighton 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday Huddersfield Town fantastic absolutely fantastic performance at Wolves on Sunday the midfield trio of Pritchard Hogg Moyer and sorry it was Hogg Moy and Billing in midfield with Pritchard in front of them so that quartet the three in midfield uh, absolutely fantastic and we said it David a couple of weeks ago on the show if you get Pritchard further forward which you've got to do you'll be more dangerous and, and that's worked out Listen to he's listening to us Wagner's listening what yeah. else can we do no I, I think we, we've spoken a lot about Huddersfield and we've been very critical of them I think this season haven't we and deservedly yeah they, they haven't been very good they don't have very good strikers but he's made a few little tactical shifts but that midfield was very impressive against Wolves and Billings a player that was injured a lot the last season and didn't actually play that many games but he, he's a young player that looks to have already have improved and he could you know you could see him if he carries on going the way he is being a player that maybe moves on to do even greater things yeah uh, for Brighton Kev do you think they'll ever score a goal that's not a corner <laughs> <laughs> well listen they've got Glenn Murray who's still scoring goals at 30 35 35 still 35 well, 35 years old still scoring goals and and they're fortunate that they've got that because the difference between them and a Huddersfield at the moment are is is goal scorers. Unfortunately, they cost the most money. You need to have one of them in your team almost to keep you in the in the Premier League. I'm, I agree with with Dave. Huddersfield's midfield is terrific. I watched Aaron Moy in the playoff final against Reading two years ago, and I said to him, I was with my dad, and I said to him, he won't be there long. And I think he's a, I think he's a, a top half player, mm. like maybe an Everton or or someone like that that's progressing. He really is a good footballer. Pritchard, I, I watched in Tottenham's under twenty threes while he was coming through, brilliant. But needs to play further forward. Doesn't yeah. really need the defensive responsibilities. So, goal scorers are worth their weight in gold. And 
Chrissy, who I know very well, Chrissy Hewton, he would know they're not going to score many from open play. So he will work on the set pieces. Yep. That's that's how it is. It's been effective. It continues to be effective. And Brighton getting plenty of results. Uh, Glenn Murray, by the way, it was his 100th Premier League appearance last weekend. 35 and 60 days. The ninth oldest outfield player to reach that milestone. Mull over who the other ones are. We may do a quiz. In fact, we've got no time. But there's some other players. All right. Uh, listen, let's move on. Cardiff against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, Jeremy Walls. How on earth did they lose to Huddersfield? Uh, and it's one point in four games now for them. What's gone wrong? I don't know what's gone wrong. They've they've started the Premier League so well. Everybody for uh, just on the continuity of their of the Championship uh, glory last season. They're gonna you know they're gonna be fine. And then suddenly you know four games where they they've, they've struggled. But to be fair, I've I've seen them against Arsenal and they they should have they should have won. They mm. deserve to win that game because they they still you know played really well, performed, got created a lot of chances, and uh, and it was a bit. Disappointed for them not to uh, not to get the win. It was there was some bad defending in that game against against Huddersfield, and particularly the free kick. Did you see the the wall situation with the free kick was very bizarre, wasn't it? Uh, Neves didn't jump, I, and then I, there was more. Was I it, it was, it was Cavallero, on the I think maybe. Uh, and he it was, was at ten yards to the left in, or something. Yeah, invited Moy to to do what he did. But I was at I was at the this game last season in the championship towards the end of the season. It was a Friday night as well. It was at Cardiff. Uh, Cardiff were right on the heels of Wolves, chasing them for the title. Wolves won 1-0 that night with a spectacular Ruben Neves goal. Cardiff missed two penalties in injury time. Warnock and Nuno had a big Barney on the pitch <laughs> afterwards. So, I mean, it'll be an interesting sort of marker as to how both teams have progressed since that uh, last season. They, they were contrasting styles last season, but they were both the two best teams in the championship. And, and they're still very contrasting teams. But Cardiff with Wolves' recent form, we'll go into this one thinking, you know, let's let's get one over from for, for last season. And, you know, they'll be confident, I think. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure they'll do what they did against Everton, which was Hyber went in the box and elbow the goalkeeper in the ribs. Didn't work then, but maybe it'll work this time. Who knows? Uh, let's move on. Crystal Palace against Burnley. Now, Palace had 13 shots against Man U last weekend. Their most in any away game this season. Just two of those on target. I've got one of those with basically every Palace game this season. Kev, if they... By a striker in January. They were linked with Sandro Wagner of Bayern Munich, who's not getting many minutes right now. Apparently, he's available for about £6 million, which is a mad low fee for, for this day and age. He's only 30, 31. If they had a proper striker, any striker, even an average striker, I think they're a top 10 club. I think everything else is there. Yeah. I, I think everything about Palace is right, except when they get to that final bit and Zahara Townsend look up and they go... Oh, there's literally nobody. Yeah. And so they have to take a shot and they can't. Well, those two are, are terrific players. Um, Andros Townsend's been a good winger for a long while. Zahar, I don't think they'll, they'll hold on to him. But while he's there, they've got to make use of him. Um, again, we sound like a broken record, don't we? If if they had a decent striker. Every, the, the, all the teams you go from mid-table down, if they had a decent striker, yeah. if they had a decent striker. They have got everything else in place. Um, Benteki, for me, is not going to score you the goals. Um, he's meant to be a focal point. He's, his touch isn't brilliant. Yeah, and he, um, even, when he, even when he comes Lukaku, back, he's not going to make a difference. Is very it? much a Lukaku character. Yeah. Um, so, so a lot. I think Cheku Kiate was basically playing up front for a lot of the game against Man U, which was mad. It was they played, mad. They played very well against Manchester United. So good. Um, and Jeremy, that leads us to, to Burnley. They're playing up against. You know, for as good as Palace were and not getting the results, it's as bad as Burnley are. And they keep. I mean, I keep hearing. Well, you know, we had that Europa League, didn't we? In August, uh, it's December this weekend, lads. <laughs> At Aberdeen, yeah, but that's uh, far that, to travel, didn't they? You know, yeah, unfortunately, them them team that 
have a great season like they had last year and, and end up, you know, gain something with the, the Europa League. The season after is always, you know, it's always tough. And, and I'm not going to obviously say that they're playing too many games because if you know if mm. you want to be a big club you, you've got you've got Europe you know Europe game during the week and, and Premier League so but yeah they're in, they're in terrible form at the moment and it's uh, they're just not playing very well you're right yeah. you know, that's they, they've regressed since last season for whatever reason the they're effort not, isn't there they're not as tight at the back no. they've conceded way more goals this season uh, they've still got something about you know, they can, they got themselves back into that match after being 2-0 down against Newcastle Somehow, mate. you know they've still got they can still just lump it up to the strikers who will cause problems yes. and will score will get their head on things and we'll, we'll, they could have they could have equalised you're so end, right man you're so right yeah. in that game so we're doing the game Monday and we just kept saying so Dave Kitson was doing the game and he kept saying obviously he's a big centre forward and he kept saying if they look diagonal here they'll score a goal he said that every minute up until the 45th minute when they finally done it and then they didn't do it again till Joe Hart did it from midfield in the 91st minute it was the only thing they were doing that worked and didn't do it like, Joe Hart may as well replace Stephen DeFore in midfield this weekend because he'd do a better job than Stephen DeFore can do of what Burnley need to do good. Well, would the manager see that now? Like, I hope so. You know, should I'd be get Joe Hart a goal as well, yeah. as soon as possible. <laughs> should be his job to, uh, to, to kind of, you know, realise what, what works. And at the moment, there's, apart that, there's, there's not much else working. So yeah. um, Well, you're not, you're not going to play scintillating football, are you, with Wood and Vokes? Mm. up front you're not going to play yeah. through the thirds and get it into them and get one twos and bounce it back and slide them down the sides look how they scored diagonal a header from the edge of the box like 17 yards so, out so why would you go away from that why would you, if that's the tools that you've bought and you've brought in as a manager why would you try and play another way yeah. Uh, listen, one final game. We are overrunning a little bit. Uh, Leicester against Watford, 3 o'clock on Saturday, 10th versus 9th. Maybe our first really mid-table match of the season as December gets underway. Uh, Leicester, great resilience for many reasons in the last couple of weeks. But I've got to say, if we're talking about just on the pitch, last week it didn't look threatening until Jamie Vardy came on. And whatever you think of Jamie Vardy and whatever the Puel-Vardy relationship is, Kev, play Jamie Vardy. You should, you should, you should probably play Jamie Vardy. <laughs> Well, no, he's won less. Am I mad? He's won less than the Premier League. I mean, why would you sit him on the bench? It's it's ridiculous. Whether good, bad, or indifferent, he gives you something that no other player in the Premier League can give you, and that is or no other Premier League centre forward. Mm. That is out and out raw pace that can stretch teams and allow space on the pitch for others. So playing Leicester are going to win this. They always beat Watford mm. at, at home. I think we've only won in the last eleven. Uh, matches between Leicester and Watford at the King Power Stadium. Watford have won once in the Championship in 2013, but I've I've been there twice as a Watford fan. Both times we conceded four. <laughs> Martin <laughs> Allen was the manager, well, and, they, and they put four past us. So don't worry about it; they're going to win. Okay, <laughs> fine, uh, lads. That's all of our time. Thank you very much indeed, Jeremy, Kevin, and Dave as ever. Um, we are back with another Premier League preview show in a few days' time. Enjoy the weekend. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 